Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner, not in Cincinnati. Renner's still in Florida. You get back today, right? You get back today? I will be back briefly tonight before we head to sunny Indianapolis. Sunny Indianapolis. We leave at 7 a.m. sharp. You need to be here at the office by like 6.50. No later, my guy. I don't need you holding up the leave. caravan. No, you're not leaving yeah, when you I'm, want to. This I'm, isn't This isn't I'm not when dri- you want to. I'm not driving in a caravan like it's a fourth grade soccer trip. I will be driving on my own. Thank you very much. Not wow. Wow. You're not listening to orders. That's fine. No, that's fine. You know what I have been doing while you've been gone in Florida? Watching your dumbass dog. We got to get pictures of Riggins on this thing. You leave me with your dog who has a cone around his head because he's got some <laughs> ear melatoma shit or whatever it is, who is like objectively one of the smelliest dogs I've ever been around. And it has been a literal grind taking him out to poop where he's got this cone on his head and he's like sniffing the grass and it looks like he's just dragging a little cone dog. It has been a grind, man. I need, when you come back, I need, I need, I need something. I need something in return. Yeah. I, I owe you big time. That's for damn sure. I've been giving him pills twice anticipate. a day, taking him out twice a day. I got to feed him twice a day. And then when I sit <laughs> on the couch, and I'm trying to grind some tape. He's like whining at me to sit on my lap. I don't have time for this. I didn't, when, when did, when did I buy a dog? I don't remember when I bought a dog. That's a, that's a bonus getting Riggins <laughs> on your lap. He's one of the best lap dogs in existence. He is a he super sleeps all day long. He's usually very low maintenance, but I will say I did not anticipate him having to have surgery right before I left and having that cone on his head. He's also like awful on the leash. That. He's awful on the leash. If he does yeah, not well, want to go away, you're going, he'll just like lay on his back and he's just like, yeah, I'm not going there. It's like, dude, what the hell? But anyway, <laughs> off of your dog onto the catch and early buzz. But before we do guess who's back, Mike, Manscaped could not leave tailgate. Their sales dropped by 80% without this read. Manscaped is not just a sponsor of the tailgate podcast. It is a presenting sponsor of the tailgate podcast. They saw the beer is getting a little long. We're going to Indy where we got big goals in Indy. And guess who's going to help us get there? Manscaped. I kind of had the cadence of Tiger King. (laughs) Or not Tiger King, Liver King right there. Manscaped. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine from your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust him with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped is going, going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF. Dude, they are now doing every inch of your body, which, I mean, I don't get a lot of that. Hop, I'd recommend using the products in this order. Hop in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub that body with the Manscaped Body Wash. <laughs> Lather your hair with the 2-in-1 shampoo, which men love. Men love a 2-in-1. It's efficiency in the shower we chase. Shampoo and conditioner to keep your noggin togging. Reed guys are just absolutely in their bag. Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons because your balls stink. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. They got lip balm? No one out here is kissing chapped lips. Get dressed after is optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Are you or are you not using the Ultra Premium Collection all week in Indie Mike? Are you? Yes. Oh, I will be using it. You better. You better. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. There's 20% off plus free shipping with Manscaped uh, at Manscaped. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. Wow. And if you thought Mike Renner 
couldn't miss on the banks now. Wait till you get to the, the ultra premium body wash. That is next level. Let's get to the catch and early buzz. Ali Marpet, at 28 years old, announces that he's retiring from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was an offensive line that was already projected to potentially lose Ryan Jensen to free agency. I've seen a lot of people saying that he could be going to the Cincinnati Bengals on the open market. Now, Ali Marpet on his way out of Tampa Bay. Tom Brady obviously retiring. Some Chris Godwin could be on his way out via free agency. Antonio Brown left out with his shirt off. There's a lot of losses here for Tampa Bay. How concerned should Bucks fans be now that Marpet is just this next domino, domino to fall? Very. I mean, very concerned. And you go from one of the best offensive lines in the NFL to now, it's still a solid offensive line, but that interior is now more than likely going to be missing its two best pieces from last year. And this is one of the most shocking retirements in since probably like Chris Borland when he retired, where it's just like the guy was 28 years old. This was the first player that was like a PFF college era player. Like I remember the, he was the 2015 draft. So it was the very first senior bowl we did that we graded first, whatever. And full career retires. Uh, the dude's leaving a lot of money on the table. Like you think about, how old some of these offensive linemen are in the NFL that he could have realistically at least had six years left. He's leaving $20 million over the next two years on the contract he already signed. So very much a shocking retirement. Not, not a blow that any Buccaneers fan thought they'd see coming this offseason. But yeah, I think it's safe to say that Bucks run it back has now ran its course, shall we say. Love that. Love that energy coming mm -hmm. from Florida. Ali Marpet, 28 years old, soon to be 29, turns 29 this April, was a second-round pick out of Hobart, who dominated at the Senior Bowl a few years ago. He was drafted in 2015 and has been awesome for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers literally since day one. He's played over 700 offensive snaps every single year of his career at Tampa Bay and has never had a PFF grade below 72. It's exactly what you look for in an interior offensive line or even offensive tackle, this high floor production, really excellent run blocker, and has never been ever a liability, even dating back to his rookie you know, rookie year where he's going from Hobart to the NFL, a liability in pass protection, a massive loss for Tampa Bay. And I did see some discourse on Twitter about how, you know, maybe why we don't see more of these things, right? The NFL is a physical game that takes a lot from you and can spit you out at 30, 33 years old. I do think that these could become more common as more you know, athletes are made aware of, obviously, like the long-term effects of playing in the NFL, especially along the interior offensive line. But, um, you know, there is no – I hope you know, no Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan should be upset with Marpet and his decision. He's obviously yeah. had a successful NFL career. He's made the money he's wanted to make. I think it was $39 million in career earnings. You making the decision to step away from the game now, I do think will be more popularized as, you know, you know players are made more aware of the mental effects and physical effects on your body. Yeah, and so quick story about Marpet, and this is actually not really anything to do with Marpet, but this was, like I said, back the first year when we were doing college grading, draft projections – I wanted to call Marpet the best interior off the line in that class. Like I had an article written up wow. and Neil sends it back to me. Neil Hornsby sends it back to me saying, we can't say that a guy we don't didn't grade over the season. Cause we obviously didn't grade D three interior offense. Like anything is going to Hobart. He's like, you can't say that the best line is a guy we didn't grade. He's like, that goes against why we graded in the first place. And I'm like, okay, well, well, so I had to put like an asterisk in the article I wrote about interior line that year. Who was your interior offensive line? Who, your, who did we end up going with as the best interior offensive lineman? It was that class had 
that class had so we called Scherf. We like graded him with the tackles. So he would have been it. But I think it was Lake and Tomlinson that ended up being the top and tier off line of the PFF board there. Another notable not PFF board, but like what we ended up saying in like whatever article it was. Some other news, a guy that we highlighted in a previous episode as gonna be a big winner at the combine, the number one player on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, Evan Neal off the tackle of Alabama, opting to not participate at the combine any of the drills. We'll be saving that salivation from scouts and NFL personnel for his pro day. Your reactions to this? There's obviously some concern there. There's not an obvious injury for Evan Neal to be, you know, wanting to put his athletic testing or push it further down the road. Are you at all concerned by this? Or, you know, because I, you know, we've heard a thousand times from former NFL scouts, current media, that you want to test at the combine and at the pro day if you're 100% healthy because it gives you two swings of the bat and NFL teams do not prioritize one or the other. It's your best time. So if you do well at the combine, you can go, you don't have to do well, at, you know, you don't have to do those drills at the pro day. But if you put all your eggs in this basket at the pro day, it's your only time to test. If you wake up that morning, I was talking to Mike McCartney, the, uh, the agent who's been in priority sports for 20 years, who's represented the Bosa brothers among a ton of other athletes. He says, if you push to the to pro day and that morning you wake up a little sluggish or whatever, those are the times you're going to give NFL teams. And there's not really another opportunity to do that. Yeah. The thing is though, so just to kind of in his defense here, he played the most recently of anyone. Like he had the least amount of training, obviously going to the national championship game of anyone in the country. So there are guys in this tackle class that have been training for a month longer doing these drills and whatever, a month longer than he has. And, you know, in your sort of yearly or whatever off-season training at Alabama, you're not training for a three-cone. You're not training for a 40. Like there is technique to these things that getting it down pat and perfecting it helps. So if you don't feel comfortable with it and it goes back to the thing, and now no one expects Evan Neal to test poorly, but like you still want to put your best foot forward when you do go out there. And if you don't feel comfortable with the technique, if you're not ready, go out there. I don't blame anyone for just saying no in that regard. And a lot of this, again, is a product of they are doing these testing all, all in preparation leading up to the combine. And if an agent recognizes a number that they don't like, they're going to say, hey, we are not doing this drill at the combine. And maybe, maybe we'll even do it at the pro day. Because I don't even think if Evan Neal opts out of testing at the combine and then say even at the pro day decides not to test there, teams will still covet him as this top five player because they are buying into the tape. And, what? Yeah, it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, I don't think it matters too much. Last part of the catch and early buzz, Albert Breer sends out this statement. Or I guess Kylie Murray and his agency sends out this statement where – can we summarize this statement? I mean, it was a lot of text coming straight from the Arizona Cardinal. I mean, coming straight from Kyler Murray, coming straight from his agent. The bolded sentences I'll read. One, he absolutely wants to be your long-term QB, talking to Arizona Cardinals and Arizona Cardinals fans. He desperately wants to win the Super Bowl. Actions speak louder, much louder than words in this volatile business. Kyler remains hopeful that the organization chooses to commit instead of chooses a little typo there, which is great chooses to commit so that he can continue leading the Cardinals to further success and value for many years to come. This is an obvious, obvious statement where he's saying I'm really good and I want to do all these things, but I need some cheddar. That's pretty much what it's saying. And a lot of the frustration uh, on either side is about wanting a contract extension after year three, other quarterbacks that have gotten that as Albert Breer highlights in his tweet, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray wants to be held in that tier of I'm ready for an extension. Now I want an extension. Now I deserve this money. He's only going to make, which I think only, 
certainly is is interesting, but relative to other quarterbacks, $11 million in 2022, which is way less than you'd pay Kyler Murray, say, if he was on the open market. But is he right to push statements out like this? Is he right to want this Allen-like type of extension after year three? I don't really understand. I mean, I, I get that injury risk is high, and especially for a guy that runs as much as him and a guy who's like undersized like he is that but i'll just say that one i think quarterbacks hold value through injury more so than any other position in the nfl deck prescott you know breaks his ankle and signs of an extension before even proving he was healthy again you know like gets back to it without ever you know playing another snap gets all that money so I, i don't think it's that high of a risk that you necessarily need to. And I think the price is only going to go up. Like you're Kyler Murray. You want to see a Lamar Jackson extension first. You want to see what other guys get because it's like I said, it's only going to put the price tag higher. So for him to really want to get that. And and, uh, again, I, I can't speak to what being in a position to where getting $50 million guaranteed or whatever it's going to be, at least in that neighborhood feels like for a quarterback and like, maybe just wanting that security is all he wants. But if you're really chasing the biggest number, if you're really chasing the most money in total, you don't want to do the extension right now. You want to wait until you follow this up with another big year, get to your fifth, that fifth year option. And then you can put like, like I say, like guys like Lamar and whatnot, get their extensions. And then you can for sure top those numbers. Cause like I said, the price tags will only keep going up at that position. Uh, some of it all. Kyler Murray wants more money, and he wants it now. He's got Offensive Rookie of the yeah. Year and two Bro Bowls under his belt. The Cardinals, maybe they aren't reluctant to get into these negotiations. This is the first year he's technically eligible for a contract extension, but it's not overwhelmingly common for teams to get these deal done in year three, right? It's not overwhelmingly common. And I'm of the opinion that I'm not all that interested in getting him into this Allen Mahomes tier of contract, at least until we see another season and see more success specifically in the postseason. And then you hear these reports obviously coming from Arizona Cardinals camp about him being immature and, and disconnected from the team and all that stuff, which is obviously just each side throwing mud to save money and save face in the public. But I do think that this is another area where it's like Kyler Murray is a, this is like, I want my thing and he rightfully does. And the Arizona Cardinals are going to react accordingly. I don't know if they get a deal done. I doubt they do before the season, but it's obvious that Kyler Murray wants his money and he wants it soon. But it's something that we always speak to that, like teams save money by doing the extensions earlier at the quarterback position. Like, like do you extend Baker so that you save money? You know, do you extend Lamar now so that you save money? Because once it gets to, kind of that tipping point of midway through your fifth year, you're not saving money. Your ass is against the wall to try yeah. to keep Kyler Murray. And that's when you got him. That's when as a quarterback, mm-hmm. that's when you have all the leverage and that's when you make the big bucks. But so, is the conversation yeah, me, not it's weird. for Arizona, the conversation, I don't, I think they understand that they obviously understand that they'd save money if yeah. they signed him earlier, if they know 100% they want to extend him on this contract. It's, it's the Wentz contracts. It's the golf contracts that, keep teams from getting all that excited about extending a quarterback in your at yeah. their first year they're eligible it's like did the Colts save money on Carson Wentz absolutely not they they lost a lot of money on Carson Eagles. Wentz same with the Rams and Jared Goff like that and not and I'm not saying Kyler Murray is even close to that tier of quarterback but this is the reason why teams are reluctant to jump the gun right because if you do miss and say Kyler Murray gets hurt or whatever if you do miss it can really set your franchise back but I mean Kyler Murray has played really well 
Arizona Cardinals, if they can find a deal that makes sense, I mean, obviously, he gives them their shortest path to a Super Bowl. Let's get to the scouting combine. We leave at 7 a.m. sharp. You're going to be here in the office leaving with the caravan. I don't care what you say. Possibly. Um, defensive tackles to start. You have here your most to gain, your top performer, a guy who might struggle, and then some other notables that could help themselves. Which defensive tackle going to the scouting combine you think has the most to gain with a performance, a good performance, obviously, in Indy? I think it's Perry on Winfrey, the Oklahoma defensive tackle. And now on tape, he's a little stiff, uh, struggles a little bit to really get off blocks cleanly, but I will be honest that he had one of the better weeks of DT probably after Devontae Wyatt. He probably had the second best week. Devontae Wyatt, actually Travis Jones, and then Perry on Winfrey was the third best defensive tackle down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. He had a very good week, looked very disruptive. And now again, I don't think the interior off the line class was all that great shakes, especially the team that he was on. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but that had a significantly weaker group of interior off the linemen that he was facing. So we beat up on a lot of guys that are kind of scrubs, but can you sort of put that into action with real high end athleticism? Like it, it, is that who he can be at the next level? with more refinement after coming, you know, from junior college to Oklahoma, two years there. So I think he has a lot to gain by a big athletic performance. You can start to buy into that not being a fluke. He was also a big riser or a big notable at the senior bowl. A lot of people flocked to his energy and so forth. But with Travis Jones, the other senior bowl guy, I think is a guy that could be another one who has the most to gain, who's the number 13 player on Bruce Feldman's Freaks List, rumored to test similar to Derek Brown coming out of Auburn, who was obviously a top 10 pick for the Carolina Panthers. He's clocked a 4.57 short shuttle at over 330 pounds, 6'5", 28.5-inch vertical. There's going to be some explosive in the explosives, the vertical, the broad, and the 40, maybe the 10-yard split specifically, and even the short shuttle and three cone where teams could come away really, really impressed with Travis Jones, who right now, is comfortably, in my opinion, a second-round type of player. But I think a lot of teams could covet him high in that second round to come in and be this two-gapping defensive tackle that they don't need to spend a first-round pick on, right, that they don't need to draft Jordan Davis to do. I think Travis Jones could be another guy that could be a big riser coming out of the combine. Yeah, I, I think he's comfortably going to be a top-50 pick. I, I don't really think it matters as much, though, how he tests because of his size, because of kind of how he wins. But to me, if you're looking at the guy I keep going back to is kind of the last guy in that mold to just be kind of an all-around kind of nose tackle was uh, Devon Hamilton. And I believe Devon Hamilton went just outside the top. I guess he went just at the top of the third round. So 73rd overall, Devon Hamilton went. And Travis Jones, to me, is a much objectively better prospect between the two guys like that. So you'll see him go somewhere by the top, uh, by the end of the, by the end of the second round. The top performer at defensive tackle is obvious. PFS DT1, Georgia, uh, Georgia t defensive tackle, Devontae Wyatt. This guy is going to blow it up. Yeah, there's really no debate here. Um, maybe someone who's off the radar that I haven't watched could be up there as a top performer. But shit, Devontae Wyatt, in terms of guys who are real prospects, top prospects in this class, yeah, it's going to be him. Someone you feel could struggle at combine or slip a bit in, in respect to current expectations. I think Federian Mathis, the Alabama defensive tackle, I just think he's going to test like an average athlete. It just doesn't, he wins with technique, he wins with his length. He does not win by out athleting 
if that's the word. It's not. But if it is, he, that's not how he wins. He does not win like that. He is a power player through and through. And I, and I think especially now he could have good maybe linear testing, but especially in the change of direction stuff, that's where he struggles. So I think that's a guy who could come away from the compromise being like, eh, not a great performance from him. Others who could help themselves. You have to highlight your guy out of Houston, Logan Hall. This is someone that I think a lot of people want to see a good performance from at the Combine after coming away from the Senior Bowl where he just wasn't the game wrecker maybe some people wanted. I think a Combine performance here could really elevate Logan Hall. Yeah, he needs to. He needs to prove that because when you're undersized, when you are barely scraping 280, you better be a high-end athlete. If If you're undersized and not a high-end athlete, track record of that in the NFL is just not good. And so either either he puts up a performance or he's not a defensive tackle straight up. But either he is either he puts on a show athletically or some people are looking to move this guy out on the edge because that's or put on twenty to thirty pounds because that's just not a body type, like I said, a skill set that's going to win at DT in the NFL. I'd say the other guy with probably the most game is Matthew Butler, Tennessee defensive tackle basically any guy who's kind of projected as a three technique the combine's big for you you know you better put on like i said you better be an athlete to win a three technique in the nfl matthew butler was easily the most dominant player at the shrine bowl along the line of scrimmage so can he translate that again to better competition tbd will help a lot if he's tests like a high-end athlete one guy I'm going to throw in there who was another Shrine Bowl guy that I think draw a lot of people's attention is Bully Ball McCall. Marquand Bully yeah. Ball McCall, the Kentucky defensive tackle. That was an absolute behemoth on the interior all, all up and down that East-West Shrine Bowl. I think that's another guy that could draw some interest at the Combine. I think he'll also interview really well. He was a guy that I had a lot of fun with talking to down there in Las Vegas. On to edge defender, your guy or your guys with the most to gain at that position going into Indianapolis. I had a tie for this one, and I already said on the last week's pot on the offense, I teased it, that Trayvon Walker, the Georgia edge, like he needs to put on a show here because that's why everyone's high on him is because they think he can't, he will. And I, and I, I do believe he will. You see this guy chase down running backs in space at like 280 pounds. You, you see him drop into coverage and make pass breakups at that size. So, a lot to gain, and I think he'll rise to that challenge. And the other one is David Ajabo. You know, guys who are seen as athletic projects, you got a lot to gain by being mm-hmm. athletic. You know, like that's kind of how that works. So, yeah, David Ajabo from Michigan is the other guy to highlight that. Those two, if they go out and test really well, just stamp them somewhere in the top 20 picks. Yeah, it's a box-checking situation with Walker and Ajabo, right? You're going into the combine expecting them to blow it up because they are these athletic freaks that – need to become better football players in the NFL. I think everyone would say that with Walker. Everyone would say that with Ojabo, who has only been playing football since 2017. But if they show up to the combine and they aren't these athletic freaks that you know people are billing them as, then it's like, okay, what are we actually building off of? And um, if they don't test well, they'll obviously a lot, of the, a lot of the eyes will go to their pro days where they'll obviously move that up. I think another player with the most to gain, only because he's not being consistently mocked in the first round right now, I don't think he's a consensus even top 40, top 50 player, is Minnesota edge defender Boye Mafe, who I do think goes to the combine and does some rare stuff at 260, 265 pounds. That Minnesota kid is going to do going to do numbers, in my opinion. I think he's going to compare well to Ojabo in terms of just being this freaky level of athlete along the edge. I know P.J. Fleck, head coach there at Minnesota, has waxed poetic about the type of numbers he can put up. So I'm excited for Boye Mafe. I think that's another guy that could even you know really punch his ticket into the first round with 
an excellent comparable pro day to these guys that you've even mentioned, Trayvon Walker and David Ajaba. Who will be, though, your top performer coming out of Indy? Who's your projection? This one's tough, but I, I'm leaning, I'm siding with Bruce Feldman here. He didn't stray us long, stray us wrong. Am I even saying that right? He didn't stray us, us, lead us astray. That's yeah, what I was yeah, trying yeah. to get here. He didn't lead us astray last year when he pumped up Quiddy Pay and his athletic testing numbers at Michigan because Quiddy Pay's pro day was an all-timer. Aiden Hutchinson, he said that he's going to put up an all-timer. I believe it. You see what he did on tape this past year was pretty special. So I'm going to lean him. But there are some guys that are going to be in a competition here. I am very excited to see how this edge class tests. Obviously, the guys I just mentioned with Trayvon Walker, David Ajabo in the mix there. Boye Mafe going to be in the mix there. So a lot riding on this combine for this defensive end class. I'm excited for the excuses to come out when Aiden Hutchinson does blow up the combine. Everyone's like, oh, you just don't see it on tape. He's not that player on tape. He's not explosive. He's not bendy, whatever, whatever. I am as confident as you are, especially after the more I've talked to other people at the Michigan program who are a part of the Hutchinson project, the, the Hutchinson podcast that comes out in April 22. I mean, I buy into David Ojabo telling me he runs a faster short turtle than some of the Michigan defensive backs. I buy into talking to his strength and conditioning coach and saying he's never seen a player like Aiden Hutchinson, a guy that's coached Rashawn Gary. That's coached Quiddy Pay. Like when people are getting those comparisons, those apples to apples comparisons at the same position. I, I do think that Aiden Hutchinson is a big winner of the combine. Guy who might struggle. I, think, I, I was going to say, I think a lot of the what you just said there, the pushback on Hutchinson is not an elite athlete. I don't think that's coming from like draft people. Mm -hmm. You'd be hard pressed to find a draft analyst out there without him at number one overall right now. He like he is the consensus at number one in terms of Dane Brugler has him one, I believe. Zierlein has him one. Uh, DJ has him one. Like it, the the guys Brooks were, has him one. Anyone claiming that is basically, I don't, I don't want to say you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying a lot of that is fans coming to that side of things for maybe some, you know, racial bias. And I think, I, I think a lot of it for me, why I'm buying into it is not just because of the Bruce Feldman's Freaks list and not just because of the tape. It's just the lay, the amount of consistency I'm getting from the people I talk to who are surround, who have been surrounded by Aiden Hutchinson or involved with Aiden Hutchinson really throughout his career. It's all coming back the same way. Like all of them are billing him as this legitimate monster in the weight room that has done things on the field that no one at Michigan has done in recent years. And I think that's where like if everyone's saying it at a certain point, it's probably true. And I'm excited for him to live up to those expectations. I think yeah. we've highlighted this guy as someone who could struggle at the combine on previous episodes, it's concerning. It sucks because I mm -hmm. like him as a player and he was super productive for South Carolina this previous year. But when you're going against Trayvon Walker, David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson, Boye Mafe, even Maje Sanders of Cincinnati, George Karloftis of Purdue, and those guys are testing how they're going to test Kingsley and Agbury, the South Carolina defensive end, I do think will be the odd man out when everyone's celebrating their 40 times and celebrating all these drills. Yes. And so we have, we got a bunch of edge guys in the top 50. I want to say there's 12 in the top 50 right now. It is a strong edge class. And I think of those, Kingsley and Agbury from South Carolina, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, and Arnold Ebicchetti from Penn State are three that just lag behind the others athletically. And now I'd love to be proven wrong about any and all three of those guys, but that's just from my tape watching. I, I do think that those are three guys. And that's not to say that they don't have enough. I mean, they're in the PFF top 50. I think they have enough athletically to win, but I just think they are not the high end that people usually chase at that position. So I think those guys can also then be highlighted as guys who have 
can't help themselves by proving that incorrect. Shall we get to linebacker? Yes. Let's. Before we do, proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast, I have to admit, is Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Also, huge shout out to DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Woo, woo, woo. Dish. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF at just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm excited to get to Indy. Indianapolis is a legal betting state. You can legal get on DraftKings, state. and there should be some combine props that come out maybe as soon as Wednesday. Will there be, though? I haven't seen shit. I, I, they come I out like late. Usually All those types prior. of props come out really late. I mean, in the NFL, okay. player props don't even come out till Sundays sometimes, like Saturday, Sunday. So I do think they'll yeah. come late. And when they do, we should get on the pod and, and try and hammer out some fire ass. Those are always so soft, my lord. What was the one in the past that was just insanely? They had like Saquon Barkley's over under in like four, three, five. I like so, some of them are like they they really gas up guys who are big names it yeah yeah like yeah of course of course overrate how athletic they'll and be. the max bet on those is like 20 bucks usually like you're not able to like really maximize your value if you really know how fast someone's gonna run but i do think it could be fun yeah. to get in on that i think i'll have i'll have to sprinkle a little bit if i do see the props come out linebacker this is a good linebacker class we've talked about it a ton i was on a podcast recently i don't remember which one where they're talking about what are the strengths of the class huge fan of the softball linebacker class and there's a lot of guys that you can plug in early there's a lot of guys with really good size for the position also some guys with some really good athleticism who is your off-ball linebacker in the 2022 nfl draft with the most to gain entering the combine this one's tough i I think a lot of guys can really help themselves. And I think a lot of guys, like top performers, tough too, because I think a lot of guys are going to test very well. And I think there are a lot of elite athletes, and that's why I really like this linebacker class. But I think the most to gain to me is probably Brandon Smith from Penn State because he is one of the few who is kind of the complete physical package, at least looks like in terms of size, 240 pounds, uh, in terms of like length, like he has all of that. And if you then, you know, test really well athletically in a number of ways, test explosively, change direction, all that, if he really is the total package, like you can get teams to buy in to what that could be because he still is kind of a project in a number of ways. But NFL teams are more than willing to take that chance, especially at the linebacker position. Um, so I think he's the guy who I think fits that bill of the athletic project who ticks more boxes than, you know, like N'Kobe Dean isn't, uh, doesn't have quite the size. Christian Harris isn't the same 
uh, size either as like a Brandon Smith is. The guys who are that size, like Chad Muma, aren't quite as athletic, I don't think, at least we'll test that way as Brandon Smith is. So to me, he probably has one of the best all-around physical skill sets, but is he going to test like that? That's why he has the most game. You also want to highlight your guy here, a top performer, Leo Chanel. Chanel. Leo Chanel, the Wisconsin off-ball linebacker. Chanel. Again. Again. I cannot get his name right. I don't know why I think it's Chanel. Leo Chanel, you think he's going to be the top performer when it's all said and done? This one's tough, again, because I said a lot of these guys are going to test out very athletically. Like, I think Brian Asamoah is going to test off the charts. I think even, you know, Chad Muma will test very well. I think Jacoby Dean, Devin Lloyd, like, all those guys, I think, are going to tick a lot of boxes. Channing Tindall will fly in this 40. Quay Walker is going to have a nice 40 for a 240-pound linebacker. Like, there's a lot. But Chanel has a good chance of breaking the linebacker bench press record. He has, two years ago, did 40 reps at 225. I have a video of him. So, Turna Nandi is a 2006 linebacker. Never heard of this guy before, but he is the off-ball linebacker combine record. 40 reps at the combine he did back in 2006 again he was a linebacker coming out of miami ohio leo chanel may break that record has a good chance to there hasn't been a round one or round two linebacker at least in the pff database who's done 30 reps on the bench press chanel should easily do that and then he's going to have a good shuttle good explosive drills that guy is just one heck of an athlete all at you know 255 plus pounds so that guy uh is the one i'd highlight as a lot of guys, like I said, will test well. He'll have some testing that's like, oh, shit, this is different than what you're used to for linebackers. Dude, 40-plus reps on the bench would be absolutely insane. Yeah. That will draw some oohs and ahs there in Indianapolis. Do you feel there's an off-ball linebacker in this class that could drop or struggle based on testing in Indianapolis? That's the thing. Of the big – of the guys who are, like, top 100 on the PFF draft board, I don't really foresee anyone coming in poor athletically i just i don't think so nicobe dean is kind of the only one in terms of like size what is he going to come in at is he six foot actually or is he 511 is he 225 pounds or is he 215 like that that's the only one no i can way. really he's see but even he, he shows up the combine 215 that'd be absurd i'm just saying like that's the only way I could see someone really losing because I don't think any of these linebackers will test poorly mm -hmm. athletically. I just don't see it with any of these guys. Man, if he, I, think, I do think coming in under six foot, the arm length is huge. I know there's not a lot of starting off ball linebackers with like sub 31, sub 30 inch arms. When you are that short, there's obviously a correlation to how long your arms are. So Dakobe Deem's measurements will be a key thing to watch there. Sounds like everyone's so athletic. Is there really anyone that you didn't mention that could help, couldn't help themselves? No, like that's a, that's a the weird thing like i said goes back to this linebacker class and why i'm a big fan of it that you just have a lot of good athletes who are going to tick some boxes here this upcoming week let's jump to cornerback then cornerback with the most to gain can i start it's got to be this yeah. Tariq woolen guy you got reporters now saying he can run a 4-2 flat laser timed doug kide a reporter here at pff just wrote an article about how he went the switch from safety to corner he asked a fedex driver to help him with some of that stuff and played Madden with the player lock on, you know, in Madden, how you can lock onto a player and only play as a certain player on the defense. He said he did those two things to help turn, learn how to play cornerback. He's still learning how to play cornerback, but apparently dude's like six foot three, 205 and runs high, low four twos. But if you actually extrapolate that out, maybe he runs like high four twos, low four threes at the combine. 
I could see him being a massive winner if he does that kind of stuff. I mean, he's just too big to be running that fast. And for a guy that has not played cornerback for all that long, there's some reasoning, right, to why his tape hasn't been that good. And he was a sub 60.0 graded player this past year at UTSA. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you know he's fast, and I'm not sure he's going to test all around athletically. Okay. But I guess, so I guess he does still have a ton in the game, and he's is more than likely going to help himself. But the one that I'm looking at who has a lot to gain is Cordell Flott, the LSU cornerback who I could not believe declared for the draft because this was a guy who this past season played slot cornerback at 170 pounds and oh has for the past two years, which – 170 pounds is like not a cornerback in the NFL. You're just not going to get by that. And he's not short. He's six foot one, 170 pounds. So he is a stick. He makes the needle. He makes Cameron Dantzler look strong on tape. But can he put on some muscle in the whatever four or five months to from a few months from the end of last season to now to actually get himself into a real weight? And can he still test athletically at you know 180 pounds or whatever you want to get to? at the cornerback position, probably about that with the size he is. So, again, a guy who oddly declared early um, as a junior coming out of LSU who probably should could have made more money by going back to school. But if he comes out, puts on some, some muscle and tests well, I think he has a lot to gain. Because I think his tape's fairly solid, but again, you're not playing slot corner in the NFL at that size. Top performer, I think this guy is going to be everyone's top performer when it's all said and done, specifically at the cornerback position. It's Kyler Gordon, who you're already starting to see as more conversations heat up and more people turn on the Washington football team tape. Well, not the Washington, not the Washington Commanders tape, the University <laughs> of Washington tape. Um, Kyler Gordon getting consistently mocked at the back end of the first round, if not the top of the second round. I think he solidifies that with his performance uh, at the combine. Yeah, he could put up Byron Jones-esque numbers in – I mean, he already had a 44-inch vertical last spring in the Washington team testing or whatever. and That's insane. Just on tape, you see a very smooth all-around athlete that he could have a all-time type of combine performance. So, yeah, I think he's the guy who I would tab because I don't think Derek Stingley's going to be there, right? He's not, he's not going testing to test. still. is still hampering the foot injury. So, Stingley could have been the mix, but, yeah, I'm going to go Kyler Gordon if not. Guy who might struggle, Darion Kendrick is who you have listed here, the cornerback from Georgia, who even struggled at the Senior Bowl, right? You have not, there has not been a lot in the pre-draft process that has gone in Darion Kendrick's favor over the last, you know, X amount of months. Yeah, I was not a massive fan. I think the guys I highlight here, and besides Kendrick, um, I think Martin Emerson from Mississippi State. He goes I, by I MJ. About his, MJ, MJ Emerson. I, I do worry about his speed of touch. Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati the Jim Thorpe award winner over teammate Sauce Gardner. I just don't think he's near the athlete that Sauce Gardner is. So those three guys who have gotten some hype early on that I do worry about what they're athletically going to test like. Others that could help themselves. I mean, there are a lot of athletic cornerbacks expected to go. Trent McDuffie of Washington. I mentioned Tariq Woolen, but who are some others that you feel could, you know, come out of the combine with, with some riser nomenclature tagged? Yeah, I think so we have McDuff as the top 10 player on the board. I, I think he could get into that mix if he tests, you know, similar to what Gordon will. And I, I really think he will test very well as well. And then Andrew Booth, just two guys who are first rounders, but if they start, if you test like, you know, a high end test, like an elite athlete in book, Booth looks like it on tape. You test like that, you can start to be, you know, thought of as a top 10, top 12, kind of how CJ Henderson rose uh, in the process prior to his, 
getting drafted ninth overall. Safety, final position here on the defense side of the ball, and we'll get to the fun to read, save your likes, and power ranking segments here on the live Monday episode. Make sure if you want to watch this episode live and you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can do it on YouTube. We are live usually every single Monday. Safety, who has the most to gain of this group? I think it's Jalen Petrie, the Baylor safety slash slot cornerback. I think he could. So he came in 196 to the Senior Bowl. I think a good weight for him could be even up around 200 with kind of his style of play and how he, uh, what his role will be at the next level, which you know, someone asked me, is like, can he be a deep safety? Can he be a post safety, whatever? And I'm like, he could. I just think that'd be a waste of talent. So when you are that guy who is the around the line of scrimmage, your dime backer, your slot corner, your weak side linebacker, glorified in some defenses, depending on what you want him to do. You want him to be have the physicality, have the sort of strength to do that, to take on blocks if in a pinch, if need be. So I think his explosive drills and his sort of change of direction drills and just his bench press, like he could make himself some money if he comes in and knocks those out the park. So I think that's the guy I'd highlight with the most gain. I think another guy I'd throw in that mix is Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State, who is rumored to have some pretty yeah. significantly good short shuttle times and, and explosives as well. He's a guy that I think is being consistently mocked at the top of the second round, but solidifying that status, I do think is showing up and, and, and really hammering home that he is this athlete with the size that he does have playing safety there for Penn state top performer. This one should be obvious, right? It should be Kyle Hamilton of Notre Dame. This guy is going to be a legitimate insane piece at the, at the combine, but you have also another player here listed as a potential top performer. This was the one where I couldn't decide. Went back and watched the tape. And I, I wrote both in Kyle Hamilton, obviously with his freakish size, length, whatever, he's going to blow up combine, but I have a hunch that Daxton Hill, the Michigan safety will too. He, he ran four or three coming out of high school on tape. His makeup speed is very, very legit. And he is just a jitterbug twitchy in every direction kind of guy. So yeah, I feel good about Kyle Hamilton. I'll probably, like, if I had to pick one, it's probably going to be Kyle Hamilton, but I did want to highlight Daxton Hill because I do think that he is going to come in and put together a show out in India. I think Kyle Hamilton has been one of the best prospects in this class that's been one of the most under-discussed, right? Because I think everyone's just in alignment. You know who he kind of, like the same, like Elijah Vera Tucker last year. Elijah Vera Tucker, no one talked about him because everyone knew he was good. You know, no one had disagreements yeah. on Elijah Vera Tucker's tape or disagreements with the type of player he's going to be. Kyle Hamilton, I think, is very similar. He's also, the, you know, one of the few positions in this class where there's an obvious safety one, right? Like no one's having Thibodeau, you know, no one's having like the Thibodeau versus Hutchinson conversations that, you know, uh, at the safety position with Hamilton. It's so obvious that he's the best safety in this class. And I guess that does lead to less content surrounding him. Guy who might struggle on your list here at the safety position. Yeah. So of the top hundred safeties on PFF's board, which is Kyle Hamilton, Daxton Hill, Jalen Petrie, Lewis Seen, Jaquan Brisker, Kirby Joseph and Nick Cross. The only one where I was like, maybe have a little question about what they could be athletically, what they're going to test like is Kirby Joseph, the Illinois safety and freakish build, incredible ball skills. But when you really ask the full throttle, crank it up in the open field, I'm not sure he quite has the same juice that those other guys that I mentioned do. Now that's, a, that's still like a TBD. You never know how hard a guy is actually going on tape all the time when you're watching a rep where if he is just, you know, tracking the ball and not necessarily knows he has like the sort of range to get there and doesn't have to give it up to full throttle. So Kirby Joseph's the one guy I'd highlight, even though I 
I don't think he's a bad athlete by any means, but I think he just might struggle comparatively to the rest. I'm excited to get to the fun to read segment now. The combine's going to be great. Make sure you follow along tailgate during the week. Mike and I get there tomorrow. He's leaving from the office at 7 a.m. sharp. We should be doing a podcast at some point tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to be doing them all week. Live coverage. We have some interviews planned as well. Dane Brugler, some other guys. It's going to be quite the time. Excited to get down there to Indy for the combine. Make sure you follow along all of our coverage on YouTube and obviously wherever you get your podcasts. The fun to read segment is chock full, man. It is loaded. It is absolutely loaded this week. People, this app, this Twitter app does not miss. It literally refuses to miss. This first one is from at Bengals headline. And I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He said, Eli Apple did better than Jalen Ramsey in the Super Bowl, but y'all ain't ready to admit that and responded with Eli Apple. So one, Absurd. <laughs> Two, then the response is key. Eli Apple is also better than Jalen Ramsey, this year at least. But y'all ain't ready to admit that. At Bengals headline dropping legitimate nuclear weapons as takes here. That is an absurd, absurd thing to say. Oh, man. And, like, this, we usually, we usually lean towards blue check marks to, for this segment because – you're like people who are affiliated with the company, whatever, to try to highlight people who, you know, have a platform. But when it's this good of a take, when it, when, the, when the when the content's this fire, we had to make an exception. <laughs> when the content is this fire, when the takes are these this fire, <laughs> I, I don't care who this is. Like the guy, you could be anybody spouting this off. If you're serious about this, this is something that we are going to talk about in the fun to read segment. Because my God, saying Eli Apple is better this past season than Jalen Ramsey is an all-time homer take that I, I the likes of which I'm not sure I've ever seen. I, I'm not sure I've seen a more homer opinion. I mean, that's just that. a that's just like the epitome of coping, right? That's just like Super yeah. Bowl they lost, and they're like, you know what? Here's a take: Eli Apple's better than Jalen Ramsey. Oh my gosh! Next one here. This is another Bengals. That, I think it doubles. That doubles as a, his mother's not that high enough. It does. Like, I, don't, I don't even think Annie Apple would be would be in the mix trying to defend her son like that. Eli Apple himself is not saying he's better than Jalen Ramsey this year or even in that game. I'll say that. Drew Garrison. This is a Bengals focused fun fun uh, fun really watch is. here. Drew Garrison. A lot of Bengals co- connections here. He covers the Bengals for Cincy Jungle and SB Nation. He said, "Does does do this trade in a heartbeat if Houston is playing ball?" Now, this trade, at face value, you know there is some rationale to it, maybe. But the Bengals get – let's start with the first part of this. The Bengals will get offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil from the Houston Texans, who is top 12 player at his position, maybe. Maybe top 14. The Texans get one of the worst cornerbacks in the NFL, and Trey Waynes, in exchange. And, his, <laughs> and like one of the worst contracts. Contract. One of the worst contracts in the NFL in exchange for Laramie Tunsil. That's just the start. Then – the Bengals give up just their second round pick, which is a late second round pick, like the second to last second round pick. No, they give up their they give up their first round pick. Oh, sorry, they gave up their yeah they give up their first round pick, which is the thirty first overall pick, in exchange for the Houston Texans second round pick, which would only be a swap of like four selections, <laughs> four selections. So the Bengals would get Laramie Tunsil, move back in the draft four spots, and then swap third round picks for Laramie Tunsil. That. I mean, this is another homer. They basically just get Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. <laughs> and the, dump Trey Wayne's one. contract. Yeah. They get Larry Tunsil for, for a very significant cap relief. Like, that is just not. That is a dream uh, scenario 
it was that that's the dream scenario and also just i mean it's a fairy tale that's a fairy tale getting laramie tunsil is going to cost a lot more than that if you were a Bengals fan sorry mike quinn last thing here and this really does round out the Bengals home i i cannot believe that this is a legitimate tweet this is so funny so hugh jackson so dan murphy of espn calls out that the Hugh Jackson Foundation collected $158,000 in 2019, the most recent tax info available. It paid, of that, $115,000 to employees, to to its sole employee, and spent another $15,000 on travel. His sole employee is Hugh Jackson, remind you. It looks like they gave out roughly $4,000 in grants. So, essentially, they collected $158,000 and then paid Hugh Jackson $115,000 of that. The Hugh Jackson Foundation Twitter then responds and says... What you failed to report is where that many money came from. Hugh Jackson was the largest donor, and he personally donated over 75% of the funds. I personally donated from my salary back in the organization as well. Our records are clean. Mike, you went to school to be an accountant. Am I? That's tax fraud. Is that not fraud? That is, that's fraud, isn't it? You can't do that. That is funneling money that is money laundering i believe is what uh, the technical term i'm not 100 percent sure don't quote me on that my accounting degree is well out of date at this point being 10 years ago but yes uh that is why i'll just say i don't trust any like personal foundations just in as a whole like i'm blown away by this i feel like every single like athlete celebrity foundation and i'll mind you there are a lot of charities a lot of organizations that do great things but like a lot of these that are just solely named are basically this like glorified ways to funnel money to their friends from or like the same paying out $115,000. Oftentimes that's not to Hugh Jackson. The person that's getting that money is what it probably is. It's mm-hmm. going to someone Hugh Jackson knows that's a friend of his that's basically just getting that money from the organization. And it's a way to give jobs to your friends and a way to look good in the public eye and throw these parties and throw these events while not actually having to answer for anything or do anything with that money of good. Because like I said, $4,000, giving that away, that's really all you need to qualify as a foundation or a charitable organization a lot of times. So to me, like I said, if you're going to donate money, oftentimes do your homework on where it's going to go and don't just take a foundation at face value. That is absolutely sensational. I'm in love. I'm in love with the Hugh Jackson Foundation. We might need to make it a sponsor of the podcast. Who knows? On to the Save Your Likes segment here at PFF. And this one transitions from, this is a good yes. transition from the Hugh Jackson yes. tweet. This is prob- I'm not, I don't want to single out Brad here. Mm-hmm. Brad Spielberger, a PFF employee. But this is just a brand of tweet that, you should save your likes. Yeah. So Brad Spielberger quote tweets the Hugh Jackson foundation thing with a good tweet, never leaving Twitter. But this is a very common trope on Twitter. Everyone says never leading the bird app, never leaving Twitter, have to do it, have to do it. It is a very save your likes, non take tweet that only got 52 likes. So people are saving their likes here with Brad Spielberger. And I appreciate that. Those are, those are obviously friends of the podcast, recognizing that lack of capitalization. You have to be better than that as a content creator. You have to be better than that as a content creator. I'm calling you out, Brad Spielberger. Hugh Jackson just served you up on a platter. Now I didn't see this until this podcast. I maybe could have come up with something good, but he serves you up on a platter of like legitimately money laundering and you give me this try take of never leaving Twitter. I need more than that. I'm asking yeah. for more than that. I'm asking for more. Never than logging that. off. This app is free. 
they need to start charging what that's all that's all the same take and it's all not a take it's yeah. all just it's it's just a way to round up free likes collect likes collect likes now we got tagged in this tweet this is a friend of the show i will say lindsey patterson does a great job for the cincinnati inquirer oh, yeah. covering the cincinnati Bengals. she also works at wkrq as a sports reporter too jamar chase in year two she tweeted this yes i love the i love the with the timing just tweeted it 10 52 a.m this is what yesterday sunday no football jamar chase on, in year on two. A sunday yeah going to be fun to watch 1300 likes 1300 likes save your likes people the first reply underneath that is fun to watch at pff tailgate at pff austin gale at pff mike which you just love to see this is um this is sensational ricky stuff. Gelato, I mean, thank you for bringing that to our attention ricky that was and it's and it's again it's it's rooted in a good place these tweets of going to be fun to watch you're excited about a guy you you, you can't wait to see what he's going to do and i get it but you don't have to reward it with your engagement yeah you know save your life we all know save we all likes. know that jamar chase jamar chase in year one was fun to watch jamar chase year two going to be fun to watch 1400 people are like yep that's hot <laughs> i agree <laughs> liking that all right power rankings i'm excited for this one power ranking top yeah. vacation spots in the usa can we please okay is this in the summer is this in the spring is it all expenses paid is it not all expenses paid what what are we talking here uh so it's price point matters okay it's it's not just like oh i want to go on a yacht in mm -hmm. the south pacific okay sure we all do um so price point matters and it's whatever time of year you want i think that you can specify in your uh vacation spot mm -hmm. all right you go ahead and kick us off i'll kick us off this is an Line interesting take one. this is an interesting take and i love this city and this is why it's number one, but Austin, Texas is my favorite vacation spot in the United States. Oh, and this was in the United States. I'm not sure if you mentioned that in the United States, not abroad. My favorite vacation spot, Austin, Texas. To me, it has the best bar scene in America. You have water, uh, lakes, rivers that you can go on there. Barbecue is out of this world. Yeah. The food, it just ticks so many boxes and the weather is great. Now it can get cold December, can January, also get really hot. February, wintertime. It's not like an all time, but if you go in the spring, like going March, April, it'll be gorgeous weather. You'll love your. We got to make our way out to Austin, Texas. I haven't been out there with you. I've been once and it was legitimately phenomenal. The barbecue is fantastic. You're right about the bar scene. The food truck scene in Austin, Texas yes. is also insane. A lot to like about Austin, Texas. It did not crack my top three, though. My number one is kind of obvious and i think would be on everyone's list of top vacation spots is honolulu hawaii i think you can also add maui hawaii here going to honolulu and just completely unplugging for seven days in a resort if you can get the flight price if you can make it happen it is a hundred percent a sick vacation spot and i have not gone as an adult i haven't gone since like, i went as a kid with my family once but it was not i want to go back as like an adult i bet you it was pretty sweet yeah, if you're looking for that, that's my number two, Honolulu, Hawaii. If you're looking for the relaxing beach vacation, that it's like it's quite easily the best. Like the weather's always 81 degrees, whether it's daytime or nighttime. The even when it rains, it's very like temperate and actually enjoyable. So Honolulu, Hawaii, you're I would 100% agree with that take. 
Come to this podcast where we tell you Hawaii is a cool vacation spot. More takes, more analysis later. Save your likes on that take, honestly. My next one, this is kind it's of just, home. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, my yeah, next one is San Diego. San Diego. San Diego, California. I know I'm a little biased here, obviously, with San Diego State. But you can't lose in San Diego. Weather, perfect. Food, fantastic. Diversity, downtown, you have it. Beach, you have it. You can drive like 70 minutes from San Diego and go snowboard. If you went in March, you could snowboard and surf in the same day if you do a vacation in San Diego. That's how sick that part of the country is. You should go. You should 100% go. There is so much to do there. It's a big-ass city. Mexican food galore. And so here's the thing. You could go to San Diego for three days. You could go to Tijuana, the best beach in San Diego, and snowboard at Big Bear all in those three days, and you don't have to drive more than like an hour and a half. Tijuana is a 15-minute Uber from San Diego, and Tijuana is awesome. It's very, very fun, very cheap, a lot of beer, a lot of tacos. Uh, it, it's a phenomenal place. San Diego, man, if you have not been, it is a sweet vacation spot. I was spoiled for choice going to San Diego State. Did not realize just how, how lucky I was to, to live in that part of the country for, for as long as I did. Yeah, I'm not going to hate on San Diego. I went last summer. It was – I love San Diego. It did not crack my top three. But it would have if I would have made a top five. It's very much uh, an all-around just tour de force of shit to do there. So my number three, though, is New Orleans, Louisiana. One of my favorite cities in America. I obviously could never live there. It's way too much every single time I go. But New Orleans is yeah. it's unique in every way, shape, or form. And it is just food's amazing. Bourbon's amazing. Bourbon Street, that is. Um, yeah, I go back. I've been to New Orleans so many times as an adult. I just love it. I have that as my number three as well, New Orleans. And I think New Orleans kind of does is a good way, good segue into my honorable mentions. I think my first two, and always my first two, will be these like unplug type of vacations, right? Where you go to Honolulu and you're not like partying back to back to back and going sightseeing and all that shit. You're just like on a beach straight. San Diego, you're eating good food and on a beach, snowboarding, whatever, and doing all that stuff. If you go to New Orleans, you're going to go wall to wall here. You're going to be partying, yeah. eating a lot, doing all that stuff. And I think my honorable mentions are a lot of those type of vacation cities, New York, San Francisco, Las Vegas. Like those are great vacation spots. If you're going to stay locked in and like really maximize your opportunity and all that stuff. I do think that where my mind's right now coming after the draft, I want to go somewhere like Cabo, Honolulu, San Diego, and just like literally stay off the face of the earth for seven days and that's probably where my head's at coming in coming in here in may 2022 yeah my honorable mention is chicago during the summertime yes i, I was like city. too close to it having lived there prior to this and like i still go back all the time because my brother lives there like a lot of my friends do so i'm like i don't really feel like it's a vacation when i go there it's just me visiting friends but chicago in the summer with the beaches being like right next to downtown and the beaches are very fun there um, there's so much to do in the summertime in Chicago. So that's my honorable mention as well. You love to see it. We will continue to do the power rankings as we move forward. Thanks for tuning along to the Monday edition of Tailgate. We'll be back probably not tomorrow. I think our next episode will come Wednesday. We're likely to record from Indianapolis starting tomorrow and then recording throughout the week. Make sure you follow along, rate, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, leave comments on YouTube. We read the comments on YouTube. Love the feedback on YouTube. Uh, really excited to get to Indy, my guy. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate.